Welcome to Boardroom Media. My name is Delva Bell Templeman and I'm here talking to Luke Ritchie, National Head of Retail and Consumer Products at Grant Thornton. Luke brings 25 years experience in retail and today we'll be talking about how COVID-19 is affecting the discretionary retail industry like fashion and homewares and how retailers are responding. Luke, thanks so much for joining us. Hi Delva Bell. Hi Luke. Now Luke, the retail landscape has been difficult for a while and it's even more difficult during this time. Understandably, people are a little confused by government policies around social isolation while trying to keep retailers open. There's falling foot traffic and I'm sure we've all seen sharp increases in deals for online shopping in our inbox. Clearly, now is the time to look at doing things differently. So Luke, let's start with what's happening on the ground. Are we shopping and how are your clients in this sector feeling? Uh, well, it's carnage out there in the retail sector, particularly in those more discretionary categories like clothing and footwear. Um, while shopping centres do remain open, many retailers have chosen to temporarily close their doors and stand down their workforces. Um, you know, there are some retailers in patches that are trading okay. Obviously, supermarkets are struggling to keep up with demand, but that's a, a, not the topic for today. Uh, outside of grocery, though, businesses like Bunnings have seen surging demand as customers prepare for long stints at home, working on those DIY projects they've probably been putting off. Um, and some of our clients have seen strong demand for outdoor and camping products, things like exercise wear, arts and crafts. So, you know, products that in categories that are oriented towards extended periods uh, in isolation or at home. Um, but broadly speaking, if you take a broader view, it's absolutely Armageddon for the retail sector. Well over 60,000 employees have been stood down just in the last week. You know, Myers stood down 10,000 people, Flight Centre 6,000, Noni B's uh, company 7,000, uh, Katmandu, Cotton On, Peter Alexander, the list goes on. Um, small format retailers in particular find it almost impossible to operate effectively whilst adhering to the, the social distancing rules. And businesses that need that close customer contact as part of their customer service proposition, they just can't operate. So um, businesses like Michael Hill Jewelers, many fashion retailers have, have chosen to close their doors. So across the board, sales are down by as much as 80%. So we can certainly expect, I think, more closures soon. Uh, retailers I've spoken to are talking this week about being in a bit of a stay of execution uh, while they wait for the uh, for the um, sword to fall, so to speak. Um, businesses, though, like Kmart, Target, Reject Shop, David Jones, they're all determined to press on for now. Um, obviously, we've all been told to stay home unless we're shopping for food or essentials. Um, Last night, when pressed on exactly what he meant by essential services or essentials, the Prime Minister was reluctant to have government-mandated store closures. I think he's wanting to leave, it, leave those decisions to the retailers themselves. He did, however, acknowledge that it's hard to see how fashion, clothing and footwear could be deemed by customers as being essential. So that doesn't uh, bode well for those categories if they're not closed already. Um, there has been some really positive behaviour in the face of all of this. Um, retailers are cooperating in places to help displaced workers find new employment within the broader retail sector. 
So I know Coles and Woolworths particularly have, have overtly reached out to many of the brands that have stood down workforces um, as they hire between them probably 20,000 or more additional staff just to keep up with demand in supermarkets. And so we're better to find people that are already trained in, in retail customer service than from other brands. So it's good to see some community-minded spirit out there, but uh, the overall message is uh, horrific for retail. Luke, with the Prime Minister flagging rent relief on Sunday, what will this mean for retailers? Stores are trading at levels that don't even cover labour costs. Uh, and so one of the other big issues to be resolved is rent. All these retailers in, uh, in shopping centres and on high streets have got often very long leases with their landlords uh, and with people being told to stay home, foot traffic is almost nil. So in this environment, normal rent is just untenable. We should expect to see banks and landlords with retailers hopefully find reasonable compromises in this area. The PM was certainly encouraging that type of behaviour last night with everyone being asked to wear a bit in the name of remaining viable when we come out the other side of this crisis. So I'd expect that we should see lengthy rent holidays and certainly rent reductions. It's not a good time for the sector, that's for sure. Now, Australia has had a little bit of reprieve from the impacts of the virus compared to many other parts of the world. Many other countries have entered into complete lockdowns. Is this where we're heading and what will this mean for retailers? I think it's hard to know where we're heading. It's, as, you know, it's obviously changing day by day. Even just in the last couple of days, we've, we've had differing messages. So. Uh, without buying into whether we're going into a complete lockdown or not, certainly we're in a slightly uh, less restrictive state than what, you know, like uh, environments such as uh, New Zealand, the USA, the UK, parts of Europe are in. In those uh, jurisdictions, basically everything is closed except for grocery and medicine or pharmacy. Uh, in New Zealand, so Australian operations like Kmart, Harvey Norman, Nick Scarley and JB Hi-Fi have all closed their New Zealand stores. Uh, Bunnings New Zealand is still operating but only as a trade business, so no retail operations. If you look at what's happening in the UK and the US, there are um, strong measures being taken to limit the numbers of people inside those shops that are remaining open. So out the front you've got people handing out deli tickets, a certain number of tickets, uh, based on you know the number of people who are allowed to be in the shop, including the staff, with one person per four square metres, as it is here. Uh, in fact, that type of ticket arrangement is, also, is already happening here in Bunnings, in Australia. Um, they've got very uh, robust two-metre marshals strictly enforcing social distancing rules in, in the UK. Uh, there's no shopping with, with little hand baskets. Everyone must have a trolley because that also helps the social distancing and I think we should expect to see that happening here if it's not already in the last couple of days. There's uh, a lot of contactless shopping, so scanning and, and dropping shopping off to people rather than uh, any, any changing of, of, of hands or people being in close proximity. There are things like essential boxes being prepared, pre-prepared boxes of you know, 30 pounds or 40 pounds a box with pasta, bread, toilet paper, etc. Um, that uh, people can go in with a minimum of time or exposure into those environments. Um, online shopping has surged to 300% in some of these overseas jurisdictions where the store closures are more comprehensive than what they are here in Australia. However, in the UK, interestingly, there's been something of a backlash against retailers 
which continue to trade online um, from the point of view of the workers. So the workers in these fulfilment warehouses have expressed concern about working in close proximity to hundreds of others in this climate. So some brands like uh, Next and Netta Porter have chosen to close even their online operations. Um, so look, obviously there's a large social impact which can differ by different parts of the world. We are in this part of the world not quite as deep in the mire as perhaps what they are in Europe and the US now. So I think, look, it's a, it's a day by day proposition, I think is the real answer. So looking back to Australia, you mentioned online shopping, but if people can't shop in person, particularly those that rely on heavy footfall, how can the retailers survive? Yeah, well, look, that, that, that is the question, isn't it? So I know that department stores like Meyer and David Jones are running daily online deals with heavily discounted uh, products and services. They're targeting their loyalty customers to try to drive online traffic. They're moving to free delivery on most orders. I mentioned Maya there. They're not. They're obviously not trading in their bricks and mortar stores, but certainly they're driving online very, very hard. Um, businesses like Target and the Reject Shop are pivoting heavily towards essentials, lining up with you know what is an essential service. Target's focusing on being the place to purchase your family essentials. The Reject Shop has pivoted heavily towards things like packaged food, cleaning, health, pet care products. They're picking up a lot of discounted stock that was previously destined for cafes, restaurants and airlines that are obviously no longer receiving that stock. So if you look at those two um, retailers, uh, Target and the Reject Shop, on, on their websites, you'll get a sense for how retailers are positioning themselves as being vital to, to customers in the provision of essentials. So you mentioned discounts and we are seeing a lot of discounted deals and targeted email marketing and different ways of reaching core audiences. Is this a sustainable business model for retailers? Uh, well, look, prior to this whole coronavirus uh, scenario, the retail sector was already under pressure, significant pressure, as customers uh, moved more and more towards online shopping as a more convenient alternative to than going to the shops. So. Retailers were already innovating with new ways of, of servicing customers online through all kinds of interactive uh, means in terms of subscription-based models and what have you. So now that we're dealing with what was really unimaginable only a couple of weeks ago, really, with uh, bricks and mortar sales are down by nearly 90% in many retailers. Um, the ability for retailers to innovate and respond quickly is you know, it, it's crucial. And, if they don't do that, they will maybe not even come out of the other side of this. So we're seeing most retailers reduce um, thresholds for online delivery, for free, sorry, free online delivery, you know, rather than having a, you know, for a spend over a certain amount, it's generally going straight to free delivery. Uh, and they're being very clear about non-contact delivery and click and collect options. Um, so look, the, the shift to online is sustainable, but it, means that retailers have to change the way that they operate. Now, Luke, I'd really like to talk to you about our restaurants and cafes. We're a country that loves to brunch, but can't with strict social distancing rules. So how are you seeing this segment respond? Well, we've seen restaurants and cafes responding by pivoting toward takeaway and delivery services. New online menus and free home delivery operations are popping up. Um, and I think it's really important you're, you're, you're so right. It's, it's important that we as consumers adjust our behaviour where we can 
to help this decimated sector survive. It's such an important part of our lives. So whilst we must continue to maintain social distancing, if we can order an additional takeaway from our local favourite um, more frequently, slightly more frequently, then maybe we'll help them at least scrape through so that they can survive on the other side of this. I saw a great uh, social media piece uh, just on the weekend about one person saying that they have taken to perusing Uber Eats to look at menus, but then rather than using Uber Eats, they then come out of the app and dial the restaurant directly to place their order so that they can have the restaurant avoid that 25% commission that uh, Uber Eats charges them. So I think we all want to do our bit, but restaurants and cafes are certainly adjusting and hopefully uh, we can come out the other side with them all still in play. So innovation is clearly important and I understand you've got a few examples of innovation that you've seen by Australian retailers in response to this shift in the economy. Yeah, look, retailers, um, well, they have to embrace uh, online channels, social media, interactive design solutions, even some we've seen FaceTiming consumers directly to help demonstrate different items of merchandise. Uh, there's a real shift to contactless shopping uh, customers are able to place click-and-collect orders online and then drive right up to the retail outlet and have the person come out and scan their order through the driver's window uh, and then pop the boot and they drop the delivery into the boot of the car and they drive off. So it truly is contactless. So that's obviously an innovation that, that they're embracing. I saw um, a fitness, like a gym operation, Jets Fitness, they've been forced to close and they've written to all their customers in, in what I think is a great initiative. They've said that all their direct de debits have been reduced to just $3.50 for the month for the duration of however long this trading embargo lasts whilst they've closed their gyms. And that's designed to just keep enough revenue to the centre manager to keep them employed so that when they open, they can quickly you know, re-emerge for their customers and that $3.50 amount would be deducted from their ongoing subscription. That's a way to share a little bit of pain to help customers um, maintain that relationship with their with the retailer in this case the gym um, it's people focused and customer centric I think we all uh, acknowledge that we can we're happy to share a little bit of pain if it means that uh, these retailers can survive absolutely what a great initiative now we've been talking a lot about the service delivery side of a retail but many retailers are also manufacturers how are they responding to the COVID-19 crisis well, particularly overseas, we've seen a lot of this. So businesses like Tesla, Ford, Dyson and others are using their plants to make things like respirators. Uh, they're partnering with healthcare companies to produce medical equipment. In the UK, Marks & Spencer has asked some of their suppliers to redirect their clothing, or what was clothing manufacturing operations, to production of surgical gowns and masks. Um, cosmetics companies like Louis Vuitton and Estee Lauder are diverting what were perfume and makeup factories to producing hand sanitizer and face masks and, and the like. Even alcohol distillers around the world. Shane Warne's gin production company, if you can believe it, is one. They're shifting production of, of uh, gin to alcohol heavy sand hand sanitizer. So you know, there's all kinds of uh, pivots going on as, as uh, businesses respond to you know, what is uh, essential to keep people alive in equipment, in um, face masks and, of course, hand sanitizer. 
So it really is a time of innovation there across the sector. Now, looking forward, what does the future of retail look like in the next six to 12 months? Uh, well, I think we can clearly expect more upheaval in the sector. Um, I said before that it's Armageddon out there and that's not an exaggeration. Um, some businesses will clearly close and may not reopen. What we need is for governments to help retailers build a bridge, a bridge to help them manage their workforces, their landlords and their suppliers uh, through to the other side of the crisis. I think it's likely that our supply chains may change toward having more in-country production and reducing reliance on overseas manufacturing over time. In this highly globalised world, retailers have come to rely so heavily on overseas suppliers for so many of their products. And it's not just in retail, I should say. Uh, I think we'll see a little of a rebalancing of our supply chain in, in a range of sectors towards more in-country production as a hedge for the provision of key products and services. Um, in terms of what the future retail environment beyond COVID-19 looks like, I think it's important to start with the fact that Australia is arguably over-serviced already by bricks and mortar retail. For example, there's more square metres of department store floor space per person here in Australia than what there is even in the US. So I think this external shock will bring forward some sector restructuring that may well have happened anyway. As I said, some retailers just probably won't recover. Um, as we as consumers remain home in isolation, I think we become more comfortable turning to online shopping for more of our goods and services. So again, once we come out the other side and the lights get turned on, I think many newly educated online shoppers will continue to shop online when perhaps previously they may have, have uh, walked into a shop. So that again puts more pressure on bricks and mortar retailers. But I also think retail is resilient and people crave contact. Retail stores are more than just transactional shopping. They're about experience. They're about entertainment. And physical shops are assets that just can't be replicated through an online channel. So those shops and their teams will be back once we get through this. They'll be back serving customers on the other side of the crisis. So let's just hope it's sooner, not later. Luke, thank you so much for your time. It's my pleasure. You can find further information on how COVID-19 might affect your business and assistance is available to you on the Grant Thornton COVID-19 hub at www.grantthornton.com.au forward slash COVID-19. My name's Velvet Bell Templeman and you're listening to Boardroom Media.